Hey there, you're listening to the Business of Baking podcast. I'm Michelle Green, and today we're going to be talking about, well, I'm going to try not to get ranty today, actually. I wanted to talk today about the difference between hobbyists and business owners, and I think that this is something that gets a little bit mired and a little bit uncomfortable for a lot of people. So I wanted to talk about that. So stick with me today as we talk about the hobbyist versus business owner debate. And also I wanted to kind of mention what happens in your life when you choose to run your own business versus working for someone else. Let's get going. You're listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Sealed by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. So to start out this podcast episode, I wanted to share with you guys something I recently read in a book. I read a book called, I think it's called Never Binge Again by Dr. Glenn Livingston. And it's actually a free book. You can download it on Amazon. But whether or not you agree with what he said about the whole weight part of it, we're just going to ignore that for the moment. He There's a chapter here called Discipline Versus Regret. And I wanted to read to you a little bit about this chapter because I think it's really, really interesting. And I think it really applies to business. So it goes like this. Jim Rohn said, a life of discipline is better than a life of regret. But your pig vehemently disagrees. Now, by the way, when he says pig, he's referring to that inner voice in your head, which tells you to eat stuff you shouldn't. It wants you to think discipline restricts your freedom when precisely the opposite is true. Most people remember feeling like their whole world opened up when they first got their driver's license. They could finally just get in the car and go anywhere they desired. No longer were they dependent upon others. But what these very same people forget is that in order to acquire this freedom, they first had to master a series of disciplines. They needed to learn the rules of the road, amass a certain number of supervised driving hours, and pass a written test. Only then could they take the live road test. The keys to the driving kingdom are only given to those who've proven themselves capable of following the the rules of the road in earnest. Mastering rules and discipline is how we increase freedom in a society, not restrict it. Here's another way to look at it. Freedom isn't free. It's only for those willing to pay the price. Now, I read this chapter and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Because if we want to relate this back to diet, as I did in my last episode, you know, we hear all these rules like don't eat sugar and no more carbs for you and whatever it is. And we feel really restricted. And the point Dr. Livingston is making is that it's only through, and this is his opinion, obviously, is only through restriction can we then be given freedom. And I love that car example because it's totally true. In order to get the freedom of going where we want, when we want, whatever, we still have to abide by the road rules, by how the car works, by how the whatever. So the discipline of learning how to drive a car and learning the road rules gives us the freedom by which to go places, right, and be places. And this was something that really bell went off my head like ding. And I went, oh my God, this is related to business. I think that about a lot of things, by the way. I don't always share this with you, but this time for sure. 
And I thought about this whole debate over what makes a hobbyist versus what makes a business owner. Now, for me, I've always defined this really simply. I've always defined this as hobbyist is somebody who is money doesn't really come into it. They're doing it for fun. They're doing it for freedom. They're doing it for joy. They're doing it for love. They're doing it for lots and lots and lots and lots of reasons. But for them, it's not ever meant to be a money-making venture. And for a business owner, it is a money-making venture. Now, I don't care if that money is an extra $50 a week or that money is the equivalent of a part-time job or a full-time job or whatever. But the point is, it's by definition, the business's purpose is, among other things, to make money for you. Now, here is the reason why I use those different definitions. When I think about a hobby and the things that I do for fun, generally speaking, money doesn't really come into it. So for me, I exercise for fun. I would consider that a hobby because I'm obsessed with my Fitbit. I go to the movies for fun. That's a hobby. I love movies. I actually tried last year. I tried to teach myself how to crochet. It went not so well, but that was a hobby. And again, I was doing it just for fun. No reason other than to have something to do, which was not my work and not my household work. So it's like the stuff you do, which to me, a hobby is the stuff you do when it's not work, not livelihood, and it's not unpaid work, like being a parent or being a daughter or being whatever. This could be going to Zumba. This could be collecting stuff. This could be really just about anything. This could be watching a certain show on TV, whatever. But to me, a hobby is the stuff you do entirely for fun and as a release from the other demands of your life. Now, when we put money into the equation, as many of us do, suddenly the need for discipline is much bigger. I mean, most hobbies don't require that much discipline. You just do them when you want, as you want, as you can afford, whatever, right? They don't really require much in the way of discipline. But when you run a business or you accept money for what you do as a hobby, suddenly there needs to be a lot of discipline. And I think that a lot of us get sucked into believing that it's not a business, it's just a hobby because they only make a little bit of money or they only take ingredients for it or they only whatever. But let's look at the facts behind this. The facts behind this are, one, when you take an order from someone else, that someone else, whether it be your mom or your sister or a complete stranger, doesn't really workmate, whatever, imposes rules. They impose rules about the flavor of the cake. They impose rules about the shape of the cake pop. They impose rules about when they want to deliver it. They impose rules about how many people it needs to feed. The other person in the equation imposes rules and discipline upon you. If you were a crocheter and crocheting was your hobby and you just love doing it and there were no orders, there's no real rules imposed there other than the ones maybe you want to follow a pattern or something, but there's no rules by which you must abide. I mean, you can read a pattern and decide to do it backwards for all we care, right? So for me, I look at that whole hobbyist thing versus business owner thing, and I think that the people who are calling it a hobby while taking orders or money are honestly a little delusional, which I realize is going to make me unpopular with any of you hobbyists listening to this. And I, I think that the whole people who call it a hobby when it's very much not a hobby are doing that out of fear. Once you give something the title of business, once you give it a name, once you say I'm in business and you get business cards or a Facebook page or whatever, there's like a line in the sand where like all of a sudden everything is more serious and we have a real fear. You know, if you call something a hobby and you don't get any orders for like a month, no big deal. It's a hobby. It's cool. You know, I just do it when I feel like it, this kind of thing. If you were to call that same business or that same experience a business and you don't get orders for a month, and there are people like, hey, how come you haven't got any orders this month? Suddenly, the fear that you're failing, the guilt that you're not bringing any money, all those things start to come into it. Nobody questions 
if you don't produce a quilt this week. But if you're a business and you sell quilts and you haven't sold any in the last six months, somebody's going to question that somewhere. So I think there's this kind of thing about not wanting to call a hobby a business because we're afraid of failure. We're, we're afraid of how serious that all seems and what a big deal it all seems like and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of understand this. But I also think that one of the mistakes we make in calling something a hobby when it's not a hobby anymore is that we believe that it's about our lifestyle. Okay, we believe like, oh, I can work when I want and I can do what I want. And there, at the moment in particular, there's a real push in the world, certainly in the first world, for this freedom lifestyle. You guys, I'm sure, will have seen like coaches out there talking about the, the freedom lifestyle, the freedom entrepreneur, and the make your own hours and be your own boss. People sell the idea of being your own boss as being this like bizarre life where you can sit on a beach in Vanuatu or something and sip drinks with umbrellas and this is the freedom life you're buying yourself or you've earned for yourself, I guess. And as somebody who runs a fairly hands-off job, as in like I don't sell any product, I don't have a shop front, I work entirely from home, it's most it's mostly digital, whatever. I can tell you that that freedom lifestyle thing is utter rubbish. It's just rubbish because even those guys who are running their jobs or running their companies from the beach, at some point in the story, in fact, even currently, they had to impose some amount of discipline, some amount of re- rules in order to have the freedom to sit on the beach and sell ebooks or whatever it is they do. There had to be some sort of rules. There had to be some sort of framework around this thing. And so while it is true that you can build a life where you can be the one who calls the shots and you can make decisions about, you know, do I shower at three o'clock in the afternoon or do I only see clients on Tuesdays or whatever? Firstly, it takes time to get there. The, the setup, the beginning part, you can't be doing all that crazy stuff. And the second thing is to understand that for every decision you make about your freedom, there is also a decision you are making about framework and discipline. Let me give you an example. Suppose you decide that, hey, I work from home, my time is my own, it's all good, you know what, I'm going to go out to lunch today, I've got an order due, but I'm going to go out to lunch today with my bestie, and then I'm going to come home, and I'm going to take a shower, and I'm going to go to the gym for an hour. So you're busy, right, between like, let's say noon and 3pm. So those three hours that you were meant to be working on that order for that client, it's not like they just magically disappear. And so later that night, you've had dinner, you've put the kids to bed, you've called your mom, whatever, and you then find yourself up in the wee hours of the morning, wiring sugar flowers or dipping cake pops or piping macarons or whatever it is you're doing. And it would be really easy in that evening moment to go, oh my God, this business is killing me, man. I just work all night, crazy hours, whatever. I hate it, blah, 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 blah. But that was a choice you made earlier in the day to go hang out with your girlfriend and go to the gym and whatever. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have made that decision. I'm just saying that the decision you made to have the freedom to do what you want during the day was also a decision you made to have to work at night to complete that order. So the discipline and the choice of doing that order in the wee hours of the night is what bought you or gave you the freedom to go to that lunch during the day. To give you another example of this, how discipline and freedom are linked forevermore, sometimes we look at something and we go, you know what, I want to have, we look at our calendar and we go, oh, I hate the fact that I have to work every weekend. And I have to say, for me, that was something I didn't anticipate, stupidly, I didn't anticipate about going into a cake business, was that my weekends would never be my own ever again. It's just one of those things. That 
people have events on weekends, right? And so it's interesting to me that this is also one of the main complaints that people who are in business make. It's like, oh my God, I haven't had a Saturday off in like a gajillion years. I haven't had, I hardly see my kids playing basketball or my daughter at dance class or whatever because the weekends are spent making cake. But here's the thing. Just because we chose to have a weekend off doesn't mean our clients have to have their parties on Mondays and Tuesdays. And I think we forget that. We forget that by choosing to have a business of our own where we can do what we want, when we want, take orders when we want, whatever, the discipline there is that inevitably the vast majority of your orders are going to be on the weekend because that's when people get married, that's when people have birthday parties, that's when whatever. So sure, in order to have your freedom life, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that means that you will be working Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? It's true for other industries as well. If we look at hairdressing, most of the hairdressers I know, their kind of quote unquote weekend is Sunday, Monday, or even Monday, Tuesday. That's when they take time off because that's the price or the discipline they pay in order to be a hairdresser because the vast majority of people like to get their hair done on the weekend. It's just the nature of what we do. And so we go into business sucked into this belief that like my time is my own, I can do what I like, freedom lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. But the reality of it is there is the discipline of orders. There is the discipline of when clients want things. There is the discipline of they call the shots on design and flavor and all this kind of stuff. And I think that it, it, it gets really hard when we realize that suddenly this thing that we did for fun isn't so fun anymore when somebody else is calling the shots. And here's a really interesting concept to me. When we take a hobby, whatever that hobby is, and we turn that hobby into a business and we therefore impose the rules of our clientele to it, people who are ordering from us, what we gave ourselves is a second job. Even if you want to call it a hobby, it's still a second job because you are following somebody else's rules. In a normal job, that's what you do too, right? The boss says, you need to be here nine to five. You need to wear black pants and a white shirt. You need to do this work. Well, those are rules. So when we get customers, the customers are the ones calling the shots and providing the rules. And yes, you will have heard me say 10,000 billion times your business, your rules. That's true. But it's not like you can go to, that doesn't really apply to customers where you can be like, listen, customer, I know you just said you want chocolate cake with funfetti filling and you want it to look like a dragon. So sorry, I'm giving you vanilla cake with strawberry filling that looks like the Little Mermaid. Like it's, it doesn't work that way, right? So yes, your business, your rules in a broad sense, but in a very specific sense, that customer will always be the one making the rules about the order. And you as a business owner are then obligated to follow those rules that they have imposed upon you. So when we turn our hobby into a business or we keep it a hobby and pretend it's not a business, we create a second job for ourselves, which has rules associated with it. Now let's think about the nature of hobbies. Hobbies is usually stuff we do in our free time or we make time in our spare time. It's the stuff we're doing. Remember I said earlier when we're not making a living and we're not doing livelihood jobs like being a you know, parent or daughter or whatever it is you are. So hobbies are how we spend our time away from those two things. Now, as soon as we turn that hobby into a business, that's time that is given back to that livelihood thing. I'm not saying it's not fun. Cake decorating and making cake pops and macarons is fun. But once we impose rules on it, it takes up time, which has to follow the rules of what our clients want, right? So... I meet a lot of people who are like, Michelle, I'm so tired. I work every weekend. I work every late night. I'm working crazy. I, I feel like I have no life. And the truth of the matter is you don't have a life because what you used to spend on your hobby or your free time or your downtime was the bits of your life that you loved and you swapped that out for being a second job. 
if we look at the fact that none of us have any more than the 24 hours in a day, and if you spend six hours at work and six hours being a parent and six hours sleeping or whatever, like, you know what I mean? Like, like as time goes on, we it should be eight, eight and eight. As time goes on, we run out of time. We simply don't have any. And so if you allocate all the hours of your life to doing different things and playing different roles and being a different person, and when one of those sets of hours gets allocated to job, then you are losing the hours you used to allocate towards fun, hobby, sleep, whatever. And I think a lot of us forget that, you know, a lot of us forget that in order to have the freedom of running a business, working when we want, doing what we want, et cetera, et cetera, all the freedom lifestyle stuff we want, we have to impose discipline. We have to put rules in somewhere in order to get that freedom. It's a sad but true fact that somewhere along the line, you are going to have to choose where the rules are around your money, where the rules are around your time, where the rules are around your emotion and your moods in order to get that freedom which you seek. Now, you know, if I wanted to bring this back to that book that I read and the weight topic I've discussed uh, in my last episode, You know, do I wish I could eat whatever I wanted all the time, whenever, wherever, however? Yeah, sure. But if I did that, I wouldn't be able to fit into those airplane seats. So that I, that I talked about. So, you know, somewhere along the line, there has to be some imposition of discipline and rules and choice making and choice making. That's the whole thing, right? I'll give you an interesting example. I met a woman here, here in Melbourne who owned a bakery. And she was telling me that it was a very interesting experience, actually. She was telling me that she really wanted my company to bake her cakes for her. We used to bake, as a company, one of the product lines we did was we did naked cakes, which was cakes that are undecorated for other other companies to use. She wanted us to bake her naked cakes. And for, like, years, I was explaining to her that she should totally do that because it will save her a ton of time. It will save her a ton of money, but mostly she'll save on the labor, right? And also she lived quite far away from where her shop was. And so every time she had to bake, it was another trip. And so economically, it just made sense to outsource her baking to us. It took me, I can't even tell you like how long it took me to convince her to do this. And her main reason for not wanting to do this is because she was a chef and pastry chef. And she had a real thing about Kuvacher chocolate, right? Expensive, beautiful, high cocoa fat chocolate. She had a big thing about that. And she had a big thing about the fact that she was going to start, when I think about this now, it still makes sense. She was going to start a blog and the blog was going to be all about recipes and baking and like high end ingredients and all this kind of stuff. And at the time we were offering naked cakes that were made from a very good quality, but a commercial, essentially a commercial packet mix. And she was like, I can't get you guys to bake my cakes because it feels hypocritical that I'm then going to write this blog all about like using expensive chocolate and good ingredients, blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. And I I was like, okay, well, firstly, you haven't started this blog yet. So we don't know when that's going to happen. That's like into the future somewhere. And secondly, well, which is it? Do you want to stick to the morals of the I love expensive chocolate, blah, blah, blah? Or do you want your business to actually make money? And I always found it really interesting that she couldn't figure out a way to use her own recipes with the expensive ingredients and have her business be viable. But when I said to her, okay, well, what if you swap your recipes for this and use the the one we're providing? She was like, no, I can't really do that. So she had a complete unwillingness to impose any discipline or any rules around her business. And so as a result, she kind of was never able to make it into what she wanted to make it into because she was tied by 
kind of the wrong constraints, if that makes sense. She had these rules about the kind of chocolate and the high-end ingredients she used, but she couldn't see that by making that choice, she was also somewhere else losing the freedom of running the business that she wanted to run. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that she shouldn't stick to her guns on quality and all that kind of stuff. Of course she should. But she couldn't kind of find... Interestingly, it wasn't about the clients and their experience and what they would enjoy or they would like. She was kind of like, I can't get you guys to make my cake because I'm going to write this blog all about the importance of good ingredients, which was a very kind of interesting concept to me. She wanted the freedom of writing this blog guilt-free, I guess, but she couldn't see that that was causing her no freedom in the way that she, she ran her business. I think we need to really look at our businesses and go, okay, if I want A to happen, that means I'm probably going to have some rules or some discipline or some boundaries around B. Another example of this might be, I meet a lot of people who are like, Michelle, if I don't answer the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, my clients are just never going to want to talk to me and I'm going to lose orders and people expect me to be on the phone all day long. You know what? They don't expect you to be available on the phone all day long. I don't ring a shoe store or clothing store or jewelry store at like seven o'clock at night on a Sunday and expect that somebody's going to pick up and be there to answer my question. It's about boundaries for me and, and also for, I just don't expect that. I don't think anybody expects that. So this concept of freedom isn't free is really interesting to me because we have an expectation that owning our own business releases us to do what we want when we want, but that's not the case at all. And sometimes we impose rules on our business as we should and boundaries and guidelines, which actually end up kind of shooting us in the foot in other ways. And so I really think it's important to look at this and go, is the thing I'm complaining about in my business, am I complaining about that because I didn't anticipate that this would be a rule or a guideline? Or am I complaining about this because I have created rules and guidelines which make this situation untenable? You kind of have to decide really carefully what discipline and rules you're, you're willing to have in order to then give yourself that freedom. And just to go back to this hobbyist versus business thing. Ultimately, if you want the time to have free time, do what you want, watch TV when you want, etc., then you will have to accept that maybe the business side of it isn't the right thing for you. So let me explain that in a little bit more detail. When I hear people say things like, oh my God, those sugar flowers took me all night. And I say, what were you doing? Well, you were like, it took you all night. Oh my God, that's amazing. Like, what were you doing? And they're like, oh my God, I was binge watching this latest series of Game of Thrones. And I'm like, so if you were distracted by the television, I'm guessing that you weren't, working all that quickly on the roses kind of thing and they're like no it took me hours and seriously like six hours to make those roses and no client is ever going to pay me for those six hours of course they wouldn't why should they you got to sit in front of the tv undisciplined enjoy the kind of like relaxing hanging out watching tv thing in exchange for that no you're not going to get paid for every hour you work freedom is not free so if what you wanted was to watch television and you needed to get that order done, then the key there is you get the order done, quick sticks, you move faster at that, you get better and quicker at that. And then when that's over, then you go and watch TV because you kind of go, yep, for these two hours, I'm going to work really hard to bust these flowers out. The exchange, the freedom I'm buying myself is the freedom to sit in front of that television and watch that show for however long I want at the pace I like as I wish. But in nowhere in that equation does the customer have to pay for the fact that you are choosing the freedom of sitting in front of the television to do that work? It's not their fault. I mean, if we hired somebody to like, I don't know, let's say mow our lawn or something, 
And mowing the lawn should take, what, like 20 minutes or something. And then instead, they're mowing the lawn and they're chatting to their wife and they're stopping for a dance break and they're going to have lunch and they're like hanging out. They're like mowing the lawn, you know, one square inch at a time or whatever it is. As a customer, we're not going to pay for every hour of that. He wants or she wants the freedom to mow that lawn at their own pace, in their own time, whatever. Then I don't have to pay for that. That's the price they're paying as the business owner. And I think that we just, we forget that. We totally forget that. A common complaint is customers won't pay me for every hour I work. And my argument in return to that is, well, why should they? If you've chosen the freedom to work at your own pace, as and when you want, in front of TV or whatever, as you want, then they shouldn't have to pay for the fact that you're slow. They just shouldn't. And so the price we also pay for running a business is the time constraints, the flavor constraints, the appearance constraints, the the constraints of it being on the weekend, that taking orders will inevitably place upon us and our business. And I just, you know, I I so want you guys to realize that, that it's a matter of checks and balances. It's a matter of by choosing to do X, that means I need discipline Y. Or by choosing to do X, that means I will have to abide by the rules of that customer or their situation or when their event is or whatever. And so I guess this feels a little bit ranty today, but I just get so fed up with people complaining that customers will never pay them for price and with people who are clearly in business, but who are calling it a hobby. Sometimes I think too, people use the word hobby to indicate skill level. And that's just to me a bit ridiculous. I don't, I don't think hobbyist or professional has or really has much to do with skill level at all. I've met plenty of hobbyists, hobbyists who honestly can completely like pipe circles around me with one hand tied behind their back. So for me, it's never been a matter of whether or not you're skilled or not skilled. To me, it's always just been a matter of whether or not you are taking money for what you do or not. Now, there are people who have said to me in the past, but Michelle, it's not a real business. Like, it's just a bit of pocket money. And, you know, why do I need this? It's not really a business, just a hobby. I just kind of earn enough money to keep it going. And so they would call it a self-sustaining hobby. I don't know if they would call it that, but I call it that. A self-sustaining hobby where basically you only make enough money to keep doing it. You're not really making enough money to put much in your pocket or you're not making much money to, you're not making enough money to replace a salary or a part-time income or whatever. It's just making enough money to keep doing it. So maybe the money you earn, let's say allows you to do a couple of classes a year or pays for you to buy new toys or whatever. Those people also delusional. Business is business when you are making money. The very definition of business is the exchange of money or goods for other money or goods. And that implies that there are rules. So for me, again, I don't think a self-sustaining hobby is a hobby at all. I think it's a business that you're calling a hobby because you don't need to turn that much money. For me, it's not a definition of how much money you need or want it to earn. The definition is the fact that there's money involved in the first place. Plenty of people would disagree with me. They're totally welcome to. This is just my opinion. Hey, my podcast, my rules, right? (laughs) So this is just how I feel about it, that I think a lot of the people out there who are calling themselves hobbyists are in business or just in a micro business or a tiny business. It's not about the money. It's not as in, it's not about the how much money rather. It's not about their skill level. It's about the fact that they're selling it. And I'm sorry, once you choose to sell something and you choose to abide by the rules of that customer, you then lose a lot of your freedom. You lose the freedom to say, I never want to work on a Saturday. Well, how does that work when you do cake? I guess it's just one of those things that I wish more people understood that as soon as you start taking money, it's not a hobby anymore. And that as soon as the time you spent in your free time once you have the constraints of customers, no longer free time. You just gave yourself a second job. And, you know, the, you know, I guess the other question is, if you've only got so many hours in the day and you now have two jobs filling up that time and sleep and being a, you know, a mother or whatever it is, where do you fit another hobby? 
the truth is that's two jobs we're running, you know, and as anybody who's ever worked two jobs knows, doesn't leave much time for free times and hobbies and that kind of stuff. So if you're listening to this, I want to give you permission to call yourself a business owner, even if you just make enough money to pay for K classes. I want to give you permission to choose not to monetize your hobby. You can choose not to take money. You can choose to genuinely just do it for fun and leave it where it was in its hobby state. You can actually go backwards. You can choose to not take orders and just do it for fun. I've met plenty of people who do that, actually, who get into business because somebody else told them to or because they thought they could. And then they go backwards and they go, you know what? The fun went out of it for me. And that that's part of the issue, too, that once other people start imposing rules on us, I wouldn't say the fun goes out of it for me. It doesn't. I like rules, but the fun can go out of it because suddenly you're not free to just play. Playing is kind of free, right? But orders, not so free. So it's really one of those things that you've got to look at it and go, where am I, in order to get the freedom of this, where am I imposing rules on that? And I think you'll find there's quite a few examples. So I hope I wasn't too ranty for you guys today, but it's just been driving me a little bit crazy lately. How I keep hearing so many people being like, I started my business and now I have no life. That's right, because you swapped your life for your business. Or customers won't pay me for hour every hour I work. Of course they won't. Not their problem if you decide to do it while watching TV and hanging out with your kids or whatever. So freedom isn't free. And I think that we need to remember that, that freedom is never free. I mean, if we want to look at this on a historical perspective, we can. You know, plenty of wars and plenty of people die in order to give us the freedoms that we have today. So freedom is never, never truly free. And I think that that's really true in a business. And particularly when we turn our hobby into a business, we suddenly have to abide by the rules of other people's requirements and needs, right? That's how it works. So I hope you're having a great week wherever you are. And I hope you understand that I love being in business. I love sharing business with you. But sometimes that means I got to just say it like it is, which is probably what makes me successful, actually, that I'm never afraid to say it like it is. And that is the reality of running business that, as I like to say, it's not always rainbow sprinkles in here, right? Have an awesome week. And as usual, if you'd like to get in touch, comment on this podcast or just tell me what you'd like to hear about. You're welcome to get in touch via email. You can reach me at michelle at thebizofbaking.com or you can read the show notes for the show at thebizofbaking.com. I will speak to you soon. Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.